Hello, and welcome to the Development and Justice Podcast from the studios at Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon. This is Dr. Greg Birch, and I have the honor of hosting this unique podcast where we engage in faith-based discussions with thought leaders and practitioners who are really wrestling with the complexities of Christian action across the nexus of justice, development, and peace-building work. My role here at Multnomah is directing the graduate program in Global Development and Justice. You can find out more about our program by visiting us at multnomah.edu slash M-A-G-D-J. MAGDJ, that's our acronym. Just a quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent our host institution, Multnomah University. Thank you, Multnomah. And thanks for listening in on the podcast today. We're grateful that you are here joining us. excited to welcome Amanda Munoz, Lydia Dawson, and Dana Pear on the Development and Justice podcast. We'll be talking about their work. Uh, Amanda works with World Vision. Uh, Lydia and, and Dana both work for World Relief. They are all, three of them, recent graduates here of the Global Development and Justice program. So I'm just excited to hear about their journey and, and to hear from them, their perspectives on what's going on globally around their work as well. All right, Amanda, Dana, and Lydia, welcome to the Development and Justice podcast. Okay, Amanda, I'm going to pick on you for a second here. The very existence of this podcast is your fault, right? You and your conspiring partner, Caden Lashway, I think it is, are the ones uh, who several years ago encouraged me to start this podcast. So you know I like to analyze things. I, I like to sit around thinking about them, wondering how this tech challenge guy is going to pull this off. And it took me quite a while to think on this podcast thing. But here we are. So thank you, I think. No, really, thank you, Amanda. Um, it's been a lot of fun, and I get to connect with cool people like the three of you. As former students and now folks who are getting it done, working for Christian NGOs, committed to engaging internationally around the world, I wanted to have you on here to talk about your journeys and, and to hear what you're up to now and what life is like for you in a post-MAG-DJ world. Yeah, I know we're moving slowly towards a post-pandemic world, but also a post-MAGDJ world. So welcome to the podcast. Let me just start off with a quick question here. And and Dana, maybe if you'd like to, to jump in, just share a little bit about your background and what you're up to these days. Yeah, uh, my name's Dana Pear. I was part of cohort four for the MAGDJ program. And uh, so I currently work as a program officer with World Relief, um, but came to the program um, after doing um, an intercultural studies degree in undergrad. And um, during that time, I did an internship with um, a small NGO in Cambodia and just had the opportunity to see what international development work was. And that was kind of where I knew that this is what I wanted to do with my career and but didn't quite feel prepared to um jump straight into the workforce. And so I started looking at grad programs and that's what brought me to Maggie J. Cool. Cool. It's, and uh, Lydia, do you want to take a stab at that? Sure. Yeah. I, I took a little bit of a roundabout way of getting here. I started at a Christian university in undergrad and quickly realized that I just wanted to hear a different perspective. So I went to community college for a while, just trying to figure out what I was interested in and then ended up at Fresno State University in California. And I realized that I wanted to help people, but I couldn't think of maybe the right degree to get me to do what I wanted to do. So I ended up majoring in child development and it 
it was very interesting, but it wasn't the right fit for me. And so at the last minute in my senior year, I tacked on a nonprofit administration minor. And that really was kind of what got me started and was the direction I felt like I wanted to go in. And I was in, involved in some community development work in Fresno and um, justice initiatives here and really was interested in knowing more and kind of being more effective in the work that I was doing. And so I started the student grad program. Found MagBJ online and <laughs> drove up for a visit from, from California. And funnily enough, I always intended on working locally in, in communities doing development work and ended up working internationally, but um, <laughs> the program really helped form my direction. That's true. I, I do remember, Lydia, you, you coming into the program thinking I'm going to be local uh, in, you know, in, in, in this area of community development and, and look where you landed, right? And we'll hear a little bit more about that in just a, a few minutes. Uh, maybe, uh, Amanda, you want to jump in? Yeah, absolutely. Sort of similar, like a mix of both of these two. So I started doing my undergrad actually at University of Wisconsin, so middle of the country, just came out to the West Coast for Maggie J. But with a, I started with a teaching degree, realized I didn't want to be a teacher, ended with a degree in Spanish, and then a minor in psychology with a focus on cross-cultural and child psych and just didn't know at all what I wanted to do. And so I knew I wanted to help people, um, but I realized I didn't want to take the like psychology route. I didn't want to do, to look at that. I was really interested in systems and structures and, and, and working internationally. Um, so I found the MAGDJ program and I went from there, um, went out to Portland, visited, met with Dr. Birch, um, and just really kind of fell in love with the program and really wanted to learn more. So I then did the program. I actually interned for World Vision, which is where I work now. I'm the um, advisor on external engagement for the advocacy and external engagement uh, global team. My title's kind of a mouthful. Um, but yeah, I, I learned so much in the program and I just feel like this journey has really been a it's really been a journey. So, you know, I feel like there's many, there's just been many things that have sort of just hit me in the face or like, I didn't know I was looking for that or, or different things like that. So that's all I'll say there for now. It's, it's really a lot of fun to have all three of you on this podcast talking about your own backgrounds and journeys. And, and, you know, uh, you know, I've told you this before. I've, I've mentioned it to a number of students that um, all of us who teach in this program, you guys really deeply inspire us. You know, we have a uh, a wall next to our global studies department offices and on that wall is what it's a wall of fame what i call the wall of fame right and that's where you all are at in, in your different cohorts and so forth and and we're deeply inspired so i just want to give a shout out to all of you and, and the work that you're doing i know it's hard i know it's challenging at times and um but it's it's inspiring and not only inspiring for us as profs but also inspiring for the, certainly the people around you and the people that you get to collaborate with uh, across the globe. So I'd love to hear a little bit too, how, you, how did you get from graduation from, from this program that you, know, uh, you were in here at Multnomah to the work that you're currently doing? What was that process like for you? Uh, I, I know it's not an, always an easy transition for students who come out of the program and, and go out into the world looking for that dream job. So what was that experience like for you? Maybe Amanda, you can jump in on that, and we'll go to Lydia and then Dana. Yeah, it sounds great. So as I mentioned previously, 
Um, I, with a part of 90 days, you get to do an internship. There's a, over the summer or even, um, while you're in school, I know there's a variety of ways to do it. Um, and so for me, I applied anywhere and everywhere and worked to just find a good fit for me. So I actually ended up working with World Vision International on their child protection team, working in external engagement. Um, and external engagement kind of this like big, broad term that I think is probably important to define. Um, and so we, in external engagement, we do a lot of institutional influence, um, whether that's with government, with other NGOs, with the UN. And so our goal is often, and at that point was to get the, the needs of children who were um, children on the move, so migrating refugees or um, internally displaced children, kind of front and center with a variety of NGOs. And so and, and with the, with governments and with the UN. So my, I just, I, I don't, I applied for that internship kind of not totally knowing everything that it entailed, but knowing that through just coursework with Maggie J and things that I had been learning um, in the program that were really applicable. So I now work as the external engagement advisor, like I said, and, and have just kind of continued on the same path. Cool. Thank you so much for sharing about that. Yeah, I can, I, I was, friends with Amanda while we were in the program and got to kind of hear all of her processes through um, that first internship and then all of the progressions with World Vision after that. It was fun to watch you go through that and yeah. see where you've come to now. Um, so for myself, I, I didn't have a firm direction after graduation. I had a lot of issues, social issues that I cared about and was pretty open to working anywhere, domestically or internationally. Um, and so I ended up moving home to Fresno, California, really just because I had a great community who could help me discern and um, support me. So I moved home for eight months and was really just applying to lots of jobs. I ended up having a spreadsheet of over 100 different jobs that I'd applied for so I could keep track of them all and didn't hear back from the majority of them. It was quite a frustrating experience. Um, I interviewed for about eight or nine different jobs, I think. Some of them I, I didn't get offered. Some of them I was offered and I ended up turning them down because I didn't feel like they were a great fit. But it was really, it was a good experience overall because it helped me kind of try on, if you will, different jobs and see if they would be a good fit for me or if I would be interested in doing them. And I actually ended up at the job I'm at now at World Relief through Dana, who had started, uh, I think, less than a year before me. She's a program officer as well. I, I interviewed with him, and it was just a really good fit, both personally and professionally, I think. Yeah, and I think I think having that personal connection with World Relief gave me the extra foot in the door that I needed, because oftentimes there's just so many people applying for the same job. I was really thankful for that connection. And overall, I'm glad that I waited. It was a difficult waiting process. I you know, did a lot of babysitting and random jobs here and there to pay the bills, but um I waited for something that- yeah, it's it sounds like it took a lot of persistence and patience in that process of, of finding the right right job. And I also just want to highlight, you know, the connection, um, the the networking that takes place, you know, and and that's what we see with your your relationship and 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 your work opportunity with World Relief. Uh, you know, as you and Dana kind of coordinated together a little bit on that, and love to see that as well. Dana, want to take a shot at that? Yeah. Um, so. When I finished the program, I was actually working with um, a local organization in Portland at the time and had stayed on with them like for a few months after um, graduation. And then when my contract was up, I decided that it was time to make the shift 
from domestic to international because that's what I knew I had always wanted to do. It was definitely not a smooth or quick transition for sure. So I ended up moving back. I'm originally from Tennessee, so I moved um, back with family and I was pretty sure that I was probably going to take a field-based job. So thought it would be a great move just to be available to go wherever. Um, and then ended up back right around the same time as um, my mom had actually had a car accident. And so ended up running her business for like six months while she recovered. In that process, had kind of gone through two different rounds, um, like pre her accident and then after trying to just put out applications everywhere. And there were um, a lot of rejections, um, kind of as Lydia was saying, interviewed for some things that didn't go anywhere, had some offers that just I knew that they wouldn't be a great fit. And then right about the time that I knew that I was truly available um, to kind of take a step back from the family business and really look for a job, a world release just happened to post. Um, at the time, it was an international programs assistant role um, that eventually led to the program officer role that I'm in, which was just such a great fit. And as Lydia mentioned, like a lot of things really do come down to personal connections and who you know. And I think really it was the, the God's timing that that door even opened, um, that they just so happened that they didn't have anyone internally or anyone that they, they could kind of put in that role. And so interviewed and it was like just super crazy. I interviewed and a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden I was like moving to Baltimore to start this job and have been there since. So, um, yeah, not a smooth journey, but thankful to end up where I did. Yeah. And I, I hope, uh, you know, future students are listening and future alumni of the Global Development and Justice Program are listening to this uh, podcast because um, we need to encourage them in that process. And I, and I realize it, it takes, you know, it takes some time and it takes some persistence and perseverance to, to really um, connect with those initial roles that will allow you to fulfill the calling and vocation that, that God has called you to. And I hope it has been a, a good learning process and not something that has just been completely uh, negative or challenging. But, you know, now that you're in these positions and now that, now that you're doing this stuff and getting it done, I, I'd love to hear, like, what do you enjoy most about your work? And, and the second question would be, what is most challenging? Amanda, if you want to start us off, that'd be great. Yeah, I think for me, working together with a community of people who want to see change in the world, and World Vision's child-focused, so, so we want to see children's agency recognized by governments. We want to see children thriving and flourishing. And also, you know, working for a Christian organization, the, the spiritual nurture of children and, and the importance of the role of faith actors in in communities is so highlighted. So those are some things that like really bring me a lot of joy. Like when I know I get to participate in that work, it's just, it's, it's really fun. And you know, there are days that are very difficult. There are days where it's a lot of work and it's early morning, you know, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. calls, time zones are crazy, but it's worth it at the end of the day, in my opinion. And, and I, and I really have enjoyed my work. I think some of the bigger challenges though are just, you're faced with the reality of the world every day. We have, you know, announcements weekly, it sometimes seems, of this crisis, you know, over here or COVID impacting this or famine, whatever it is. And so you see that um, you're front and center for that. You are co your coworkers are experiencing that because you're working with people from around the world. And so 
I think that's one of the biggest challenges is it, it, it can be very emotional and really tough to just face that every day. I, you know, having, having been on the field and, and doing the hard work myself, I, I certainly resonate with, with that response, Amanda. Lydia, what, what, what do you enjoy most and, and what's, you know, what's something that's challenging for you? Well, I, so I'm a program officer at World Relief in our humanitarian and disaster response unit. Um, so that means I get to support a couple different countries. Right now it's Sudan and Haiti. So I support the work that's going on in those offices, basically whatever they're working on at the moment. So I do quite a bit of proposal writing and editing, um, especially with our Sudan team who um, generate quite a big budget and have many programs going on. And then just get to do a little bit of everything really in supporting their offices functioning and representing their office to the larger World Relief and to our donors. And I also get to represent World Relief in our one of our partnerships called the Integral Alliance, which is our disaster response alliance. And so I get to sit in on meetings with representatives from different Christian NGOs, all of whom are doing disaster response together. And so I get to represent World Relief as part of that, and I do a lot of the administrative work of our disaster response work, which it, that part is exciting because it's just always new. <laughs> There's always something different happening. It, it, it never gets boring. <laughs> but I'd agree with Amanda. The challenging part can be that no, nothing that we do is light. It's all very heavy, very, very heavily impacts people's lives. And the stories can be, you know, they can be quite heartbreaking at times. And so trying to keep your head up can sometimes be a challenge. You know, when you wake up in the morning, what problem you're going to be working on for the day. Yeah. But but that's also part of what makes it exciting, not always in a good way, but um, but it, it is, it is, it's an honor to get to work kind of on the front lines of some of these things and just to be involved in that work. And then I'd say one other challenge, and I think it would vary pretty different pretty much across organizations is just trying to wear lots of different hats. World Relief is a bit of a smaller NGO, and so therefore I'm doing, you know, sometimes I'm doing some finance things, or sometimes I'm working more on content, or sometimes I'm trying to work on some kind of technical proposal on water sanitation, and I don't know much about water sanitation. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of just trying to figure things out and, and rolling with it sometimes. Yeah, you're often asked to wear a lot of different hats that you don't have the formal training in, and that's yeah. Yeah, I certainly understand that. Dana, how about you? Um, I would agree with a lot of what Lydia said, considering we're both in the same position at the same organization, although I work more with our um, more stable context and kind of long-term development projects. Um, and I think what I really enjoy is that we have, and I'm not just saying that because Lydia's on the podcast, but we really have such a dedicated team of people that we get to just work with, whether they're in the home office or in the offices that we're working with directly, getting to interact with the different different teams is really fun. And even though it can be a lot of wearing wearing different hats, then you also get to kind of learn and grow, um, especially being, you know, early career. What what am I good at? What do I not like? What would I want that to look like in, an, in another position? That's been something that I've enjoyed as well. And then specifically within the context of world release is seeing um, the intersection of faith and development, which is mm -hmm. something in Maggie J we've talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. And my previous position um, in Portland was with the church collaborative. And so um, I feel like I've spent a lot of time thinking through what is the role of faith communities in development. And we do a ton of work, especially with our long-term development projects of mobilizing churches to be able um, to help 
facilitate and be an agent of change and development in the community. So that's been um, something that's been really cool to see go from something we talk about in the classroom to like actual like programming models. But I would echo what both Amanda and Lydia have said in terms of challenges. If you don't know what, what you're waking up to every day, you might think I need to do this report and help finalize that proposal and something could happen that just completely fits your day and fits your priorities and it can be really heavy. So just being able to kind of process some of that and as Lydia said, wearing lots of hats, it can be fun because you get to learn a lot of things, but it also also can be a challenge. And I really think even just every donor wants to see, you know, more impact for less money and, you know, be able to get that like bigger kind of return on investment. So no matter the size of the organization, if it's like 10 or like world vision of having thousands and thousands of employees, there's always a little bit of that, that, um, you know, you end up playing kind of dual roles at times function and that can definitely be a little bit challenging at times when, when there's competing priorities that are coming up all the time. Yeah. That, that really makes a lot of sense, uh, Dana. And, and I kind of think I heard that from Lydia and, and Amanda as well, you know, this this need to wear multiple hats all the time, understand budgeting, understand, you know, the, the practical side, the tool side, the participatory learning and action uh, research tools that we have available. It's like all of it, right? And monitoring evaluation and, and understanding all these aspects of, of international development is so critical to our work. And another thing that you all said that really resonated or made me think like, kind of remind me a, a little bit about what we do with, with the development and justice program is uh, these are hard topics, you know, these are hard and challenging concepts and, and issues going on around the world. And, you know, we, we deal with those in the classroom and, and now you're dealing with them in, in your work. So that kind of brings me to the next question. Like in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of these global issues that, that we're facing, what sustains you and what gives you hope in the midst of that? And, and how, do you, how do you go about soul care uh, as you are confronting some of these global concerns? Dana, I want to give that a shot and then we'll go to Lydia and, and Amanda. One of the things that really sustains me is just um, the stories of, of change that I do get to see um, coming in, whether it's in a meeting of staff member just giving me a really exciting report or, you know, a story that's coming in for a more formal formal report of just seeing the changes actually happening and and even pre-COVID whenever I was able to visit some of our offices um, being able to even see firsthand some of that impact and knowing that even in all of these hard things that it is our staff that are you know they're doing the work every day working with the communities that are really bringing hope and change where they are and that even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes working on a financial report or whatever it may be that the things that I'm doing are in some way connected and like helping helping to kind of facilitate that work yeah I would agree with you with that I, I can't speak highly enough of our staff at Rosalie especially staff out in the field they really inspire me to keep going and just hearing their stories and their hope when they're more on the front lines than I am, give me hope to keep going. And I get to talk to them regularly. You know, I call a staff member in Sudan to work on a proposal with them. But then, you know, I we talk about life and I hear stories of what's been happening there. And their their faith is just such so deep 
because of the things that they've seen and the things that they have to deal with on a daily basis. And I, I think I have a lot to learn from them as far as how they approach crises and, and what that does to their faith. So just hearing their stories and trying to learn from them and emulate them is, is a huge part of it. And I think for me, faith also plays a big role in, in just why I want to do this work in the first place. I think that plays a big role in my idea of, of you know, what I'm supposed to do with my life and how I'm supposed to spend my time. And so, and that's not dependent on whether or not I'm successful or whether or not I meet certain goals. It's really dependent on me serving God and doing the things that he's called me to do. And so I think the shift in focus is helpful, but, you know, it's not about whether or not I can win this amount of money on this proposal that I've done, though that is important. <laughs> nice. um, my work and the work really comes in serving God where he's called me to be. That that kind of just reframes the work a little bit in a way that mm-hmm. helps me to keep going because, it, because there's a greater purpose than just what's immediately. Yeah, um, for me just like looking at my work and looking at external engagement and doing like institutional influence and, and, and different things like that and and advocacy at the UN and whatnot. I think it can be, it can feel like a lot of meetings some weeks. Um, But then there's these moments where we are able to elevate the voice of a child or a youth participant at that meeting in a space that they would not normally be heard. Um, or we get to bring in the unique voices of community members in spaces that, you know, it's my core belief and many of my coworkers' core beliefs that they belong, um, but it's convincing, you know, other convincing those spaces that, that, that that's real, convincing governments to, to listen to, to communities. So it's just, those are really beautiful moments for me um, when I get to see a child or a faith leader or a community member. And so, I don't know, it's just really... Those moments are so exciting, and it's the stories that they tell. Um, because that's why you know that's why we start this work is because something impacted us, and so being able to to be key in, in elevating voices has been really cool. Um, but similar to what Lydia said too, I mean, I don't. There are weeks that without my faith, everything would seem really dire, um, and so I just I think one of the things that also sustains sustains me is just remembering that restoration doesn't totally come from me. It comes from God and, and I'm a co-laborer um, in this. And so, you know, in our own, each our own way, we're, you know, we're working towards something, but we're all working towards a greater, you know, kingdom goal. And so that's something I have to remind myself of, but also just the the time spent with coworkers, the time spent with, you know, colleagues just chatting or, or learning from one another. I think those are really good too. And then creating good boundaries with work because I think I remember, I don't remember who said it, but early on in the program, I remember hearing, you know, you're only one person and you can only do so much at a time. And I have to remind myself that a lot of just taking a step back and breathing and reminding myself that uh, this isn't all on my shoulders or, you know, making that policy change isn't totally on me. And, you know, it's a collective effort. So leaning into your community, leaning into uh, the work God has laid out for you, but also taking time to rest, I think is hugely important. Yeah. yeah, Amanda, to your point, I think some of the, I think some of the things that the Magnus Day program did were really helpful as far as spiritual formation and um, the link between our work and faith. One of the things that sticks out in my mind regularly is 
at one of the classes with Karen Grincher, we did a paper on our theology of suffering. And we really had to think through why is there suffering in the world? Where is God in that suffering? And how do we kind of how do we view suffering in light of loving God that we believe in? Um, Having to think through that really, really in depth helps me a lot. And so I, I think back to that paper regularly because I encounter suffering every day. But uh, so we were given a lot of tools in the program to kind of do our work and process it through a faith lens as well. So it's a little plug for the program there, but the holistic element of faith intertwines with work. I, I found really helpful. I would add as well, um, which actually... I was thinking of that same assignment and have talked with Dr. Fancher a few times since the program and told her, like, never take that assignment away. Even if something changes with the class, keep that one assignment because it's been something that I think most of us look back on as one of, as a, just an impactful and helpful assignment. But to Amanda's point as well, um, that along with, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself spiritually and have that theology of suffering to be able to process these things through your faith, being very mindful of establishing healthy boundaries and making sure that you're taking breaks. And especially when you have people across so many different time zones, it could be tempting to just be, be like face on the clock when everyone else is and um, but being mindful that as Amanda was saying, you're only one person and really setting those boundaries early so that you continue to do this work for a long time and not burn yourself out. I jump in. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. Yes, Dana. We can't stress that enough because I think, I mean, we've all, I think we're all at least two, three years in and it has been one of the biggest learning lessons in, in like, you cannot maintain this like perfection top level, I can answer every email, I can be on every project, I can your whole life as much as you want to. And I and I think there's pressure to do that. And so for the for the student, my plug for students coming in or who want to work in, in big NGOs is just to start thinking about how you're not going to do that early and how twenty four seven coverage is a joke I have with my coworkers or every time we have a big project and we have people from all different time zones, we just are always like, okay, well 24 hours a day coverage, everyone's got it. And I always get the brunt because I'm on the West Coast. So it's one of those things where it's a a joke and it's not actually true. But yeah, you just have to have those boundaries. I cannot stress that enough. Thank you so much. You know, these are such uh, valuable lessons that that I wish I would have learned earlier in, in the stages of my work. Um, and I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that, that you have uh, incorporated, you know, that mindset, I think really understanding that it's not just us, right? That, that God's present, he's at work. There's other people around us, around us. This takes a team, a community of folks. And in the midst of the challenges, we really need to take care of ourselves as well and be inspired by, by those that we work with. I'm really um, grateful to have had this chance to talk with Amanda Munoz of World Vision, Lydia Dawson, and Dana Pear of World Relief. Your work uh, inspires us and it inspires all of us here at Multnomah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today as we dialogue on the nexus between development, justice, and peace building work around the world. <laughs>